This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, August the 8th, 2021. And today on the program, we have WWE NXT Doom to discuss the era of Paul of X NXT possibly will be greatly different from this moment forward. More ratings news to discuss as AEW did over 1 million viewers for I think the fourth consecutive week. We've got a quarter hour breakdown how this episode lines up in the history of AEW Dynamite going back to 2019. Ratings, of course, for Raw and SmackDown in their, what is this, third or fourth week on the return to the road. More live attendance news. We've got the United Center sold out for AEW on August the 20th. AEW has a new TV deal with a major international market. Click here to find out which one. And uh, there's, a, there's a hint from a job listing that indicates that maybe AEW has additional sort of side programs in the works, maybe. Uh, and we have Google Web Search to discuss if there's time. But first. Joining us live from South Buffalo to my South by Southeast, everyone's favorite ring announcer, fresh off his special appearance at Excite Wrestling in the Johnson City Mall. Chris Gullo joins us to discuss the week's events. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, yeah, it was a fun show uh, this past Saturday uh, at uh, Excite Wrestling. Uh, big time Bill Collier's new champion. Oh, really? In the uh, Battle New York Tournament. And uh, yeah, so uh, just uh, it's uh, good to be back. Uh, like I said, a, uh, a driving up the road. I'm, I'm I'm happy to be home. <laughs> so, so the how long was that tournament? The Battle of New York. It was it was a, a tournament that Excite Wrestling put on, featuring wrestlers from all throughout New York State. But this is a tournament that had been going on for a while. Is that correct? Yeah, it started in I believe June. Yeah. Okay. Were 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 those in in seminar events, or were those in yeah. yes. other types those, of official events? Those were the seminar events. Okay. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, big time Bill Collier and, and Jay Freddy had a good match at ESW a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. So uh, what time did you get get home last night slash this morning? Um, around uh, 2 in the morning because uh, – uh, Yeah, because le- we left the uh, barbecue restaurant like close to 10 o'clock. You went to the barbecue be- restaurant too. You went to the, the after party. Yes. They have a vegan – Cuban made out of jackfruit. That's amazing. Okay. So how, how, how important would you say it is that you go to the after party to reassure your next booking in any given promotion? Not this promotion in particular, of course, but we're not going to analyze that here, but just in general, tell me about the, the, the politics of going to the after party in independent wrestling. I think, I think it all depends on how secure your spot you think it is. I mean, I sure. usually go to after parties because I just like, Spend an extra time with the guys and listen to them. And then we had a nice yeah. crew of guys, and that's why I came. Even though you have a three and a half hour drive ahead of you to go home, 
Yeah, I was like, uh, you know, I mean, but if it's, you know, I, I'll put it this way. When I do MMA gigs, I don't really know anybody, and they always have after parties, and I never go because I don't know anybody. Yeah. You know, if they pick somebody else, um, and because they, they didn't go well, to the see, after party. I, the, you know. the, the MMA after parties, that's your opportunity to, to build these connections and get your brand out there and get future bookings, you know? Uh, I guess. I have uh, been watching uh, wrestling more so than usual this week as our, our local wrestler, Daniel Garcia, has uh, wrestled on AEW Dynamite. I think he wrestled on Dark. He was in the finals of the SCI tournament last night, and uh, he has another match. Later today, we're recording on Sunday uh, for the IWTV title. So there's that. So what do you want to talk about first? Chris Gullo, Let's get right not, into the... There we go. Yes. <laughs> Let's get right into the uh, NXT releases. Uh, Sean Rossap uh, reported Friday evening that WWE released Bobby Fish, Bronson Reed, Jake Alice, Ari Sterling, Kona Reeves, Leon Ruff, uh, <clears throat> Stephon Smith, Tyler Russ, Zacharias, uh, Zacharias Smith, Asher Hale, the Giant Zangier, Mercedes Martinez, and also Desmond Troy, uh, which was posted a little bit shortly after this. Right. Good, good catch. That's not even on our notes. Chris Cole just knew that off the top of his head, folks. Uh, yeah, that's, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, plus 13, 13. Uh, Stefan Smith is a referee, but everybody else was a wrestler, right? Uh, released. These are all NXT people. No, nobody here main roster. Although Bronson Reed, uh, I, I think had done a dark match or something or had been brought to, to main roster TV. But, he did uh, main event, I think. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he did the main event show. Okay. So I think that was the most surprising one to me, uh, that they would release somebody who actually has size, as, as we'll discuss here. It seems that there's been a change in the vision in WWE's developmental, that they want bigger people. They want people who are tall. Don't you love it when people are tall, Chris Gull? I love it when people are tall. But it, it's kind of funny because a couple of these guys were also – Tall, very tall, but now with Bronson Reed, but like, but Zachary old Smith, yeah, but Zachary old. Smith was a basketball player, mm -hmm. and then uh, I actually don't know how tall the Giants Angier is, but I'm guessing he's tall by his name being the Giants Angier. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I would suggest if you are a wrestler with ambitions to wrestle in WWE that you uh, that you get lifts, even if you're already tall, maybe brand yourself as the Giant something or other or something like that brand yourself as tall i would suggest that that's uh if you want to really uh uh you know raise raise the prospects of, of your getting not just signed but but promoted to the main roster and have them actually do something with you beyond one week so uh and we actually uh uh denise salcedo put out a tweet um, and by the way, Hershey did an awesome job re-announcing for Game Changer Wrestling in uh, Los Angeles last night. Okay. Uh, but she, she uh, put out a uh, tweet uh, with the list of all the releases from 2020 and 2021. And um, I don't know if you want me to read them all off. They're pretty just they're very long, very longest I've ever seen. I think it's over 100 or something like that. Let's just do the, the 2022 WWE releases. All the wrestlers that WWE has released in 2020. Not 2022, 2021. Yep, so we have Bobby Fish, Mercedes Martinez, Leanne Ruff, Tyler Rust, Bronson Reed, Jake Atlas, Ari Sterling, Kona Reeves, Zachariah Smith, Asher Hale, Giants Injure, uh, Stephon Smith, uh, Desmond Troy, Ric Flair, uh, Bray Wyatt, 
Chase Parker, Matt Martell, Killian Dane, Marina Schaefer, Arturo Rios, uh, Kurt Stallion, Sunil Singh, Samir Singh, Lars Sullivan, Big Show, Steve Cutler, Andrade, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Samoa Joe, Kalisto, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Tucker, Bo Dallas, Mojo Rowley, Wesley Blake, Jessamine Duke, Kavita Devi, uh, Vanessa Bourne, Skylar Story, Ezra Judge, Alexander Wolf, Velveteen Dream, Braun Strowman, Lana, Betty, Buddy Murphy, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, August Gray, Ara Davari, Tony Nese, Tyler Breeze, Fandango, Santana Garrett, and Tino Sabatelli. Tino Sabatelli. Uh, we should mention that Samoa Joe did get re-signed or something. He's doing. He's clearly working again regularly, regularly in NXT again. But uh, but other than that, I think he's the only one that's been brought back. Um, yeah. So what does this mean? Is WWE getting ready for a sale? Should we revisit that quickly? Is W has maybe you can update us as the advocate for WWE is selling? Chris Gullo. Since since our original discussion about this a few months ago, has WWE been acquired by a major media company? Not yet. Not, okay, yet, not, not yet. yet. Is Vince McMahon it, it, still it still alive? Happen. Is Vince McMahon still alive? He is. As far as we know. Far that as maybe 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 a a related factor. Uh yeah. So uh and and this is developmental talent. Surely it, it does cut costs. Um but it, not as much as it would if WWE was cutting main roster talent, I guess. I mean, as far as the salaries that are being cut here. Um, are they Is WWE cutting costs to remain profitable so that, that the company doesn't go out of business? Is that what's happening here? Um, no, I mean, so, I mean, I'm sure they're not because they go out of business. I'm, I'm sure they're cutting costs just because. I is is WWE a profitable business? 100%. Is it? Is it not as profitable as it used to be, though? Isn't that the case, that it's not as profitable as it used to be? Nope, it's more profitable than ever it has. It's more profitable than ever. But it's not as profitable as it was in the Attitude Era, right, when it was super, super popular, right? It's not that profitable, right? Uh, it's that profitable. It's more profitable than it was in the Attitude Era. Even if Yes, even if you adjust for inflation. I re-ran the numbers and brought it up to 2021 U.S. dollars uh, yesterday, in fact, and – I mean, it, not that I expected it to be any different, but now we have the, the more up-to-date numbers when I was just uh, – I had last done, done the math, I guess, in 2019 uh, or maybe early 2020. But yes, even if you adjust for inflation, WWE's net income in 2020 and the estimate for this year is higher than it was in 1999 and 2000, which were the two most profitable years. I think that's what it is. It's, it's either 98, 99 and, uh, or it's 99, 2000. Uh, more profitable now than they were in those eras where you think of WWE being extremely popular, which it was more so than much more so than today. Uh, so it's not an issue of of making the company in the black to get them out of debt, as as you see, as I'm sure WrestleNomics listeners for the most part are, are well aware. This company's doing well. It's just about making WWE more even more profitable, which they have a fiduciary duty to do in the interest of their investors if they want to uh, make investors happy and promote investment in their company, which is publicly traded. Um, I don't think that's that's the whole story. I think there's a – I think we'll get into it more. I, I think WWE is doing quite a bit to uh, 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 prevent themselves from being even more profitable than they would be otherwise. Uh, which is hard to prove, but that's my opinion, and I think it's the opinion of a, of a lot of other people too. Um, so yes, I think that's what's happening. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's actually jump 
to the uh, the PW Insider note, and then we'll go back to the two slides that are before that. The the PW Insider had a note from Friday night about the future yes. of NXT. Uh, there's been a lot of talks internally of major changes for the NXT brand, including a new logo, new lighting, a focus on younger talents, and a different format to the TV shows. This house cleaning uh, tonight appears to be part of those changes. Are we going to have challenges like keg, <laughs> the keg race? Yeah. You're talking about the, the game show, the game show era. Yes, NXT. The, the, the NXT game show. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm struck first by by the idea that there would be a new logo for NXT. Uh, I, I, I'm not ready yet to let go of the Wolfenstein logo that we currently have the Wolfenstein look. I hope I hope at least that uh, of of all these um, licenses that that Nikon is selling, I hope they sell a an, an NXT branded uh, uh, game level skin to to like whatever the latest version is of Wolf 3D. I, I need that before we let go of this amazing branding that NXT has had lately. Or or maybe even you know what I got an, another great idea for for Nikon: sell the NXT brand logo license to like a motorcycle company like Har- <laughs> like harley davidson nxt bikes what about that huh motocross or something <laughs> what wait, wait wait no i got it leather jackets leather jackets yes. where is the nxt leather jacket at wshop.com uh anyway so what do you we'll, we'll, we'll jump into i want to talk about nxt on usa and so forth but why is this happening what's what's your What's your, your assessment? Why why is right. NXT being sort of reconfigured here? Uh, I mean, we'll, uh, you know, talk about it a little bit, but I actually did listen to the uh, Wrestling Observer Radio last night, and I I agree with a lot what Dave is reporting, except I think there's a third person involved that he's not really talking about much. He's saying that a lot of these are Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard agreeing with him and, you know, really just you know they lost they lost against NXT or the AEW and you know now we got to reevaluate what they could do and he's changing it to seems like to a more traditional WWE style of you know like you know we talked about you know a couple tall guys released but like let's just face it in my per- perfect opinion I I think the guy's a great wrestler I never saw Alex Zane as a guy that Vince McMahon would put on Raw or SmackDown mm-hmm. yeah I just never did and I think those type of guys are the ones that are really getting, you know, they're getting cut loose and all that. And I think with Bronson Reed, he looked impressive. They brought him up and Vince probably just didn't see it. Yeah, I think there's been, I mean, it's been pretty clear if you've been paying attention to W programming and yeah. if you've been paying attention to both NXT and the main roster for a while, you'll see that a lot of talent gets called up from, from NXT and doesn't get used that well, maybe in part because of the the fact that Vince doesn't see uh, NXT as serving the main roster very well as a pipeline because because you've got in all likelihood two people who are making decisions you got one person in nxt slash developmental making decisions to serve somebody else on the main roster who seem to have diverging views of professional wrestling uh and i think you know vince and we're seeing uh uh, uh sort of what you're talking about what dave said on observer radio uh this morning that W wants to go back to and, and notice Johnny Ace is back in power that they want that's, to go back to. That's they, who I think's really involved really with these. I, I, th- I thought maybe he was much, but, but Pritchard and, and, um, and Lauren Ice. Vince is, 
yeah, it was who we doubled down on, but yeah. So we want to go back to, to people who are tall, maybe over six foot tall or over six foot two or something. People who are big, because Vince sees uh, that the widest possible, not just his own opinion, just happens, that's just coincidence that it's, that's, that it's his own personal taste, I'm sure, but that the widest possible market will most readily accept people who are big and, and, and mainly that big. And, uh, and maybe, maybe for female talent, he wants people who look more like supermodels or fitness models or something like that too, I bet. Um, rather than just having wrestling talent, which I think, uh, Paul of X somehow, somehow, uh, you know, got, uh, you know, got, got himself into the opinion that, that wrestling talent and what people like on the indies matters. So, uh, I got a question for you, Brandon. Um, how how successful was Bam Neely's WWE career? <laughs> or, or or what about Jackson Andrews? Who's Jack? Or you know what? Exactly. These are guys that were in the Laurinaitis era. They were tall. Okay. They showed up on television and they lasted weeks, and then they were gone. And even like a guy like Ezekiel Jackson, love his Lucha Underground run. Mason another Ryan got it. Didn't Mason Ryan? There you go. There's another one like. This is this is what we have to look forward to. <laughs> All yeah. these guys out there right now that are getting cut in NFL training camps that are professional bodybuilders, they're uh, they're, okay. they're they're gonna they're gonna get the opportunity other than these guys that are out there uh, working hard every weekend, traveling the roads, getting yes. better at their craft. So so let's talk about like what's causing this. And I think every wrestling fan wants to talk about AEW versus WWE and and the fact that. AEW beat NXT consistently in the ratings in the Wednesday Night War. Uh, almost every time in terms of key demo viewership and most of the time in terms of total viewership in the uh, the 70 some odd weeks that those programs ran head to head from late 2019 to uh, April 2021. Uh, I think that's that's probably part of the story and part of the, the perception in Vince's mind that you didn't. And by the way, they, they're all only focused on themselves uh, but I don't believe that. I believe WWE cares about what NXT or what AEW is doing to an extent, um, and probably to a, a significant extent. Uh, so there's there's that. But I think what's uh, a bigger, at least as big a piece of that, is what happened uh, earlier this year in March, where we got this press release, Dateline Stanford, Connecticut, March 30th, 2021, where. Um, WWE, uh, NXT had a two-year deal that started in the fall of 2019 to be on the USA Network. USA Network's parent, obviously, is NBC Universal, and uh, that deal is coming is coming to an end this fall. And in like two months, it'll, the first deal will, will expire. And they renewed. WWE renewed, and uh, they announced on March 30th that they've signed a multi-year extension. No, we don't know how long it is, but it's multi-year, so at least two years. Uh, and that this is when they also announced that W would move from two from Wednesday to Tuesday, and that began on April thirteenth. And we don't we don't never got an idea of what WB's uh, what WB really got in terms of TV rights from uh, from NBCU for NXT. Of course, NXT was on the W network. It was essentially the flagship show for the W network. Uh, for the first several years in, in, in the, in the pre peacock era. And, um, they decided to move it away from being essentially an exclusive network show. Yes, it was on Hulu too, 
but moved away from the network to be on the USA network. And the public message was that this, why are they doing this? There was a lot of uh, worry from uh, stock analysts, media analysts, and investor types that why are you taking a, you know content that's exclusive or almost exclusive to the W network and putting it on on television when you're trying to grow network subs. And I think the the media analysts who aren't inundated in the wrestling industry every day uh, probably didn't appreciate the extent to which WWE wanted to compete head-to-head with AEW and sort of stamp out AEW's progress before it got too far. Uh, But the public message, and I think there's legitimacy to this, that maybe NXT could grow into this third media rights brand in addition to Raw and SmackDown. Raw and SmackDown, as we mention these numbers probably almost every week, Raw is getting $265 million a year from NBCU. That's just in the U.S. SmackDown is getting $205 million from Fox. WWE makes, uh, I think last in 2020, made over $500 million, more than half of its revenue from Raw and SmackDown rights fees. To an extent, NXT is bundled in there too, but if you took NXT out, I don't think it would be a huge difference. Um, It would be a minimal difference. So, did NXT turn into this media rights brand. We got some, in the first place, there were, there was speculation from, from stock analysts who covered WWE that the NXT deal to go to USA was worth maybe $50 million a year. Early estimates were a hundred million dollars a year. And, uh, I don't know how much it is. And I don't know if it's, if it's even all guaranteed or if it's to a great degree an ad revenue share. Um, but I, my current belief is that it's worth well less than what AEW is getting from Turner, which is $44 million a year on an average annual basis. I believe it's something probably closer in the neighborhood to $20 million a year, maybe something like that. Maybe not all guaranteed either. So that's that's the first year. First year that's what I believe about the first, not the first year, the first term, which is a two-year term. Now that's, again, that is coming to an end this September, and it's and the new deal will go into effect. So that so they announced this new deal this past March, and was it an upgrade? Well, the stock price didn't move when this deal was announced, so at least the market didn't feel like it was a, a big deal. And they should, if this is a fifty million dollar deal or a hundred million dollar deal on an average annual basis, that would be a big deal. This is a, that would be along the lines of WWE's uh, second biggest global TV deal, which is India, fifty million dollars a year they get from Sony in India, fifty. If WWE was really getting $50 million or something in that neighborhood for, for NXT on the USA Network, I would think the stock market would respond. Uh, but the stock market didn't respond in March when this deal was announced or in early April when the stock market had the opportunity to, to react. And then we had the Q1 call on April 22nd. And, uh, and uh, Stephen Cahill from Wells Fargo asked Christina yes. Salen what was up with that. And why don't you read the, 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 uh, the exchange that is highlighted in yellow here. Yes. So, uh, um, Stephen uh, Cahal said, you've uh, historically commented on a lot of AAVs for these long-term big rights deals in the U.S. So just curious how the AAV of NXT performed or was contracted based on what sort of baked into the uh, year of guidance. And her response was, with regards to NXT, yes, NXT was expected, obviously, because the uh, contract was up and it's within our guidance range that we provided. So, there's no, there's, we're really pleased with that result, but there's nothing to update in with regard to guidance on that front. 
Yes. To be clear, you did not stammer through that. She did. Um, yeah. Who Who is, let's just set the table here for people who may be unacquainted. Who is Stephen Cahill? Uh, he is an analyst from Wells Fargo. Is he an investor in WWE? That, that I do not know. I mean, I would imagine just, you know, yeah. for stocks and investments and analysts. But. Right. The, these people ask these questions are... I don't know if any of them are investors. I, I know Morgan Stanley probably, I think, I think, um, yeah, Morgan Stanley owns a piece of WWE uh, and probably in the single digits of percent, low single digits. Uh, Wells Fargo, as far as I know, do not, does not, does not know, does not own, uh, does not own W stock. These are investors who write analyses that are meant to help investors know what to do or, and make their own decisions based on their analysis. They're um, financial and, influencers. If you really think about it. Yeah, they uh, what the, what they say can can, can move, yeah. move the stock price. Um, and Christina Salen, who is that? Uh, Christina Salen, she is the CFO of WWE. What does what CFO stand for? She financial officer. Yeah, she's not uh, she's not the person who's producing the music. Well, no, no, they don't do it anymore. They don't even do it anymore. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically, what what I read this to be saying uh, is that. Uh, Whatever the NXT deal was, the new deal is not was not a surprise to them. It was not maybe not even uh, the number is too small to even really affect their guidance. So when they talk about guidance here, they're talking about their profit projections. They're telling they have told investors that we're gonna we expect a profit between uh, this range on the low end and this range on the high end. It's something like something like two hundred seventy million dollars to three hundred million dollars in in the, in adjusted EBITDA, which is their favorite way of. Uh, uh, measuring profit where they get to exclude certain things that they just feel like excluding. Uh, so the NXT deal, number one, was not a surprise to them, but they got NBCU to agree to for NXT was not a surprise to them. And perhaps it's just too small money to make that big of a difference anyway, to, to change uh, the range of what they expect their profitability to be. Um, third, if it was a really great deal, you would think they don't necessarily have to Get a, give them give a number. Certainly, they wouldn't report a number on these earnings calls or in their press release, but they could have at least, if it was a great number, celebrated it in some way or given some indication about how happy they were about it. And I know she's happy saying that uh, we're really pleased with that result. But it wasn't it wasn't a highlight in the press release. It was a, it only came up because a stock analyst asked about it, um, and naturally because this is. NXT rights are something that has been hyped in the past or been justified. Uh, they justify putting on the USA Network with the idea that they would be able to grow this third brand as a major media rights producer. Um, so we don't get any sort of hype. It's not leaked to to the Hollywood Reporter or to Sports Business Journal that this is a, a big deal, which you think if this was a big deal, something like that might happen, but it didn't. So I think what happened here, not just that, yes, NXT did not win the Wednesday Night War. AEW did. And NXT did not transform itself into just being some hybrid version of developmental and good content for the W Network into being, you know, whatever value that has, into being this real tangible value of producing, uh, you know, dozens of millions of dollars in, in media rights every year. So that's not happening. Uh, NXT did not turn into this third media rights brand yet. It's still on, on the USA network. Okay. It's probably producing some money. I would, you know, again, I would guess somewhere around $20 million a year. doesn't sound like it got a major upgrade. 
And I think that's sort of the financial, tangible, quantifiable, if you want to call it failure, or that didn't meet its, its expectations. Um, so it, it, it makes sense in a, in a way to sit here and say, well, you're not producing all this money for us, all this revenue for us that we hoped that you would. Uh, there, I guess there's another chance in the future, but, but really what, what Vince wants is, is developmentally. He wants talent that's going to feed his main roster brand. Meanwhile, he's also not been happy apparently by reading the tea leaves of what, ha- what happens on Ron Smackdown. He's not been happy with what NXT is producing for him. Um, and it sounds like we're going to go back to the John Laurinaitis philosophy of, of big people, uh, athletes, uh, bodybuilders, maybe fitness models, maybe, uh, and physical specimens. That's right. People who are mm-hmm. tall. Um, and let's, let's think about too. It's not as if triple H has all along been this advocate for great independent non rest, non, non WWE talent and non, non, uh, bodybuilder sports specimen talent. It, it, it seemed to me that, that, you know, triple H was more along the lines of that kind of thinking years ago when he, when he first took over developmental, I, I, I like to bring up how in 2014, when he started doing those media calls, how he talked about how the, the independent, uh, talent becomes less and less of a factor all the time. He said in 2014, right before I think it was the very first takeover or the second takeover and how it was, uh, an effort to reteach people out of their wrong indie style into our good superior WWE style. And then later in 2014, um, in part just because of, I think, the development of media and the increasing ubiquity of smartphones and everybody's increasing connection to the internet, increasingly wrestlers like Kevin Owens and Finn Balor got reactions in their debuts at full sale. People with no WWE exposure prior to their debuts in NXT got big reactions. And I think this, maybe along with other things, uh, persuaded Triple H to look at talent differently. And it also really turned into NXT being able to take takeover events, their peak events, into major basketball arenas and sell out when they sold out the first takeover uh, at a major arena in Brooklyn in, in August 2015. Um, so I think Triple H had an evolution, if you will, in how he views talent. Um, I don't know what he really believes at this point. I really hope that Paul Vex someday writes an honest book. Uh, but I don't know what he, what he really believes about talent, what the best way is to go. I, I do believe that he, if, if Vince retired today and spent the rest of his life isolated on a yacht, that that main roster would look more like NXT. And I do think that is a, what do I mean by that? I, I, I mean, Less of a focus, not not that it's a non-factor, but less of a focus on size, which is basically what we see in NXT, where you get people like Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano pushed as as top champions. Um, so less of a focus on size and less of a concern on size and, and a higher priority on um, on wrestling ability and uh, charisma, promo ability, personality. Not that there's not sort of a priority on that, but, but Vince's... Um, inability to plan and execute long-term stories and uh, and a general inauthenticity and over-reliance on scripting. I think there would be less of that if uh, if Paul Levesque was uh, in charge of the main roster creative. And I think that is a better way to attract the largest possible audience. And Vince 
has always had that preference for bodybuilders and big people and less of a concern for wrestling talent. Uh, and that is his personal preference. And, uh, he believes that that is the preference of the wise possible audience, but he's wrong. And he, and that's become increasingly wrong over time. Uh, what, what happened too is that in 2014, you had all this talent that was backed up and couldn't get into WWE because of WWE's previous philosophy of, of valuing people who are huge and not necessarily great wrestlers. So we had all these years where WWE and, and to an extent they influenced TNA to be this way too. Um, we had all this talent backed up who couldn't get into WWE and it helps the Indies flourish. It helped other non WWE companies flourish like ring of honor and to an extent TNA. And then when triple H started to change his philosophy, he was able to harvest all this talent that had been backed up outside of his company and to bring them into his company. And uh, it, it super served a type of fan who was unhappy, unsatisfied with how main roster programming was going. And it helped build NXT into a, a brand that could put on shows in major arenas that would sell out or cl come close to selling out in the form of NXT takeovers in conjunction with a pay-per-view weekend. But also, uh, it, it became an important program to help grow the network. Network wouldn't have been as strong. Not that the network was a success. It wasn't. But it, it wouldn't have been as strong without NXT. And it was able to even turn into a, a live event touring brand. Now, I don't know how, to what extent the, that national tour was profitable. But it was probably... It, those national events probably could have been run at a profit. The Largo events, I think, are just a, a loss leader to... to to the Largo Loop events were just, I think, a loss leader to to give people experience. Um, but I think it's not as if Triple H was a genius, but Triple H just uh, realized that good talent is good talent. And they hadn't been acknowledging, I don't know if you would put it this way, but they hadn't been acknowledging how good the talent was out there. And now he had the ability to bring them all in. He, he benefited from the lack of, from, from the poor assessment of talent of the regime that came before him that was led by John Laurinaitis and influenced by Vince McMahon. Uh, and he was able to another, Oh God. And he was able to benefit from that. And eventually the Indies were harvested almost completely. The cream was scraped off the top between the years of 2014 and let's say 2018, 19. And uh, for this, for the good of the Indies, I mean, if, if WWE goes back to, the, the 2010 philosophy, let's say, the Indies, the U.S. Indies, for for one thing, which are in, in great need of, of more talent, I think are in a better position to I, – I joked to one promoter that I have, uh, like a month or two ago that, well, well hopefully with John Laurinaitis coming back to power, they'll, they'll go back to ignoring people with talent and that will re revitalize the Indies, which are in need of being revitalized after being harvested for the last few years. I mean, well, first of all, I agree with you on that. Uh, one thing I I, I want to say is I, I I don't know if Triple H ever changed his philosophy that maybe he didn't always believe this, but because I think the Sinkara failure was like a stop and start for him. I feel like if that would have worked, he would have been able to do what he was doing in 2014 and 2012 and 2013. Um, but I think because it just didn't work, I think that that, that definitely hurt him. Um, but I also say too, I mean, look at the timeline, 2014, not only was it, you know, Triple H was starting to like kind of gain power to do this, but 
the business of TNA drastically changed at that point. They were no longer this on Spike TV getting a million viewers and because they self destructed. Yeah, <laughs> much like WCW yeah. before them. <laughs> yeah, so it was like a perfect mix of mm-hmm. that. But yeah, but yeah, I, like that. I feel I felt like this was going this way back in like eleven and twelve when he signed like signed Sankara, but. Obviously, that didn't work out. I wonder if that that was the hesitation of why it took so many a few years. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think there's something else happening here that is just sort of the hubris and arrogance of 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 WWE that they this notion that WWE knows the right way, and if you didn't do it our way, you're not doing it right, and you're, you're not doing it in a way that's going to be as marketable as it could be, um, which I think is. It's it, it creates this false hierarchy, and and I think that's that, that has also kind of existed in in WWE in the last few years too, where you know, it's I think it it really hurts the ability to grow stars and to create marketable talent uh, when you've got to go through this this huge and way too complicated system where you get into the PC and then maybe you get in, get onto TV if you please the right people and all of their subjective opinions. And then maybe after a few years of doing that, uh, but by, by which, you know, all the while you're getting older, you finally get to, uh, to the main roster and then, and then you've got to, you know, please the tastes of Vince McMahon who has very different tastes from the people who you had to please before it, it, you know, there is no central, uh, philosophy. It seems that everybody agrees on. I think this has got a, a, a much more outdated philosophy than, than the NXT people do. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it complicates and slows down the ability to cultivate stars, which is one problem among their other problems with, uh, developing stars and stories that people care about, which is never going to happen in any, to any strong degree in my view, while Vince is the head of creative. Um, and I think this is, this adds to the pile of reasons why I'm not that optimistic about WWE's future uh, in terms of its 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 holding on to its huge lead in the wrestling space as the industry leader. I think that that, that lead is going to narrow over time. And uh, however you want to measure that, we're going to measure it in ratings in September and it's going to get smaller. <laughs> um, you know, if, if Vince, Vince is turning 76 this month, did you know that? Uh, for what it's worth, uh, you know, not that there's anything wrong with being old as, as I get older here in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. Rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know 
almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network as as time goes on here it's going to continue to limit the ability to which main roster wb uh which controls the majority of their revenue, Ron Smackdown, generate the majority of their revenue. It's going to limit the the extent to which they're able to generate stars. And uh, W can talk about all they want about how they're a media company that sells IP. But last I checked their SEC filings, their biggest source of revenue is core content. And that core content is not for movies or reality TV series or uh, a and E biographies, or um, you know, licensing uh, talent to do cameo videos. It's for in-ring programming. It's for wrestling, and uh, it's it it it's kind of connected to I think WWE's problem with their brand, and that they're you know, you kind of see it. Uh, I think the voice of wrestling were we're putting over how uh, th- not that this is a big deal, but that the the, the six man that happened on Dynamite which involved Daniel Garcia, who we trained, full disclosure, but how that's just sort of acknowledged to a small subset of fans uh, that, you know, other universes in this wrestling world exist, whereas WWE is, is totally the opposite. They're not embracing that other that other things in wrestling exist. They're trying to deny and transcend wrestling and to not be involved in wrestling. And I think Vince barely pays attention to any wrestling that he's not uh, involved with and he's not sitting at the grill watching live. They want to distance themselves from wrestling and not be wrestling. And uh, as your as your ARPU increases, as your audience gets smaller and your remaining audience becomes more hardcore and spends more money per person, uh, that philosophy, that way of viewing the business becomes outdated more every day. And is it going to come to a point where AEW meets or exceeds them in terms of popularity in some consumer metrics, maybe. And it becomes more likely because of the way, uh, you know, Vince uh, holds his philosophy and influences others in his company to, uh, to make decisions. All right. 
Uh, if we want to move on to uh, just uh, the news of the official news of Canyon Siemens replacement, uh, Trent Wolfinger, he actually uh, tweeted that he was excited to share that he'll be joining the WWE as a new senior vice president of talent, ID, and development. I look forward to working side by side with James Kimball under the leadership of Triple H to bring. Uh, to life a game-changing vision and strategy another guy with a big sports background if those of you like not familiar james kimball uh was the actually vice president of operations of the ufc performance institute and trent wolfinger um most recently i think it was a pro elite sports but also was game operations director with the arizona coyotes and the arizona diamondbacks wow so very good you're, you're on top of this chris gall uh, i will tell you why i know a lot about james kimball after the show <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay. Uh, so yeah, th- and this is maybe somebody who's replacing some or all the duties that Canyon Seaman had. I don't know. Uh, but Canyon Seaman, as we, I think we, we alluded to on one program and he hadn't really been, uh, let go from WWE, but now he has, uh, left WWE. So maybe this is somebody who's, who's taking over some of those duties, uh, if not all of them. Uh, and I just wanted to revisit. There is an article on, uh, WrestleNomics.com that came out way back in November. That where we analyzed uh, all the data that we could from cage match going all the way back to 2000 through through the present at that moment, November 2020. Uh, just looking at, you can see in terms of uh, of data how W's philosophy on on what talent to to promote to the main roster has changed over time. Where pe- uh, wrestlers who had most of their experience will will, will this be clear? Will you know what I'm talk, talking about when I phrase it this way? Most of the wrestlers, a little bit, yeah. It's let's say. The question is, did I have – okay, before I went to the main roster, which we define as you having 10 main roster matches, before I went to the main roster, what what made up the majority of my experience at that point? Was it mostly non-WBE system matches or was it mostly WBE system matches, i.e. developmental, W developmental? Yeah. And, and so if you're, you're a what we might call a non-universe wrestler versus a WBE system wrestler – the majority from from 2000, where the the the, the middle point seems to be 2007 to, to 29, 20, 2009 or so. So in that first decade of the 2000 in that in the, in the 2000s, it's mostly um, non-universe people who uh, who make it to the main roster. But it becomes increasingly towards 2010, WWE system people. But then after that yeah. point, the trend largely reverses. Uh, to the point where it's it's sort of at a, at, a, at a low or tied with a low in in 2020, at least when we measured it in November, where 81% of the wrestlers who had their 10th main roster match, 81% of them had the majority of their experience from non-WWE matches. But, but, and I think this speaks to how, how Vince assesses talent, the... The majority, is that the right, would that be correct to say? Yeah. The majority of those non-WE people who made it to the main roster, the majority of them were just used to flesh out B shows like 205 Live and and WE Main Event, whereas those who were WE System people who got promoted to the main roster in in recent years were more likely to spend more of their time on the A shows Raw and SmackDown. All right. We, we We should have done this analysis by height, too. That would have been helpful. (laughs) <laughs> all right if i move on to the gullo report mm-hmm. this is my time to shine here it's ratings talk uh we'll start with uh smackdown here and uh this is uh smackdown with the 
this is your estimation after the overnight, correct? Correct. Yeah. It will always be this. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, uh, about 2,000, I'm sorry, 2,150,000. Uh, yeah. So two, 2.1 and a half million, uh, compared to last week, which did about two, uh, little over 2 million, about 40,000 over that. So a little bit of an increase for SmackDown as, uh, John Cena continues to be part of these programs. So, right. And let's, while you're talking about SmackDown, let's jump to this slide where, um, we're now at a point where, where SmackDown is doing considerably better than I thought it would be. Uh, I expected, I've been saying this probably for weeks on end. I expect these ratings to be back to the level of, you know, the last weeks of the Thunderdome by the middle of August. And today, today it's August 8th, so there's still time. Uh, but, uh, SmackDown is, they got a bump. They got a jump from the return to touring and it hasn't fallen back down to the Thunderdome level yet. Uh, they're over 2 million and they were doing under 2 million in those last few weeks of the Thunderdome. So maybe I was being too pessimistic and uh, we'll talk about raw too, which I think is next. Yeah. So uh, to Monday night raw here, they did uh well, we're over 1.8 million uh, with a 0.51 in the 18 to 49. Uh, if you compare that to the week before, just a little over uh, 1.8 million as well with a 0.49 and the uh, 18 to 49. So not much movement there between July 26th and August 2nd. Right. So, and what we see here, and I've pulled out the, uh, oh boy, I don't know if I can make this big enough. Let's see. I'm, I'm pulling out the Russellomics viewership spreadsheet, which you can get access to at Russellomics uh, at patreon.com slash Russellomics. And uh, if we look, let's see here. Only $5 a month. What a deal. Yeah, and you get access to my uh, almost daily reports on, on the ratings, which is where where the ratings news is being broken. Uh, this is where the ratings information comes from. Uh, let's see here. So Raw, as you said, 1.8 million viewers this week, uh, but also did 657,000 in 1849, which is up from the prior week. Up from the prior week. So... Raw, up very, very slightly, almost identical in total viewership, uh, but up more by percent uh, in terms of the key ad demo, 18 to 49. So you, you see this in Raw and in SmackDown where, you know, the ball has bounced and, and it's, it seems like it's hitting the floor here. It's not continuing to fall down. Uh, and we see that. We'll see what happens on Monday. We'll get uh, final numbers for SmackDown on Monday too, but the... Uh, the one hour did a 0.5 in the demo. The other hour did a 0.6. So uh, that probably, you know, that's obviously a 0.55 average. It'll probably be a little bit higher uh, in the final. So maybe maybe they did like a 0.6, which would come out to, what would that come out to? That would come out to a pretty good number. Uh, do we have anything that's done like a point? Yeah. A few weeks ago on the 16th, so this was the first show back to touring, they did a, a 0.66, which was over 850,000, uh, 1849 viewers. Uh, so I don't know. I would expect maybe something around the high 700s or low 800s in terms of uh, 1849. So we'll see. SmackDown and Raw seem to be hitting their their plateau as opposed to falling back down further towards the numbers that they were doing at the end of the Thunderdome era. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I am starting to feel like, well, maybe I was being too pessimistic here, uh, expecting uh, Raw and SmackDown to, to, to not be as benefited long term by the return to touring in their there clearly is a, a coincidental, at least, uh, increase. It helps to have John Cena. Maybe it helps to have Goldberg. Uh, but we'll see. 
uh, how they do in the weeks to come. They're doing better than I expected. All right. And uh, we're going to move on to NXT, all this NXT talk. Well, how are they doing on sci-fi with the Olympics, which are actually wrapping up today. So yeah. uh, they'll be back on USA uh, this Tuesday. But on sci-fi, they did 520,000 with a uh, 0.10 in 18 to 49. Uh, Almost very similar numbers, 520,000 with uh, 0.12 in the uh, 18 to 49 uh, last week. So Exactly the same total viewership on sci-fi. Um, I don't think there's much of anything to read here except for I expected these numbers to be lower too. I expected NXT on sci-fi uh, to be under 500,000. And here they did an, an identical 520,000 on both, uh, both preemption nights. All right, and then uh, moving on to Dynamite, which continues to have impressive ratings uh, since fans are back here. They actually did 1.1 million uh, in the uh, 18 to 4. I'm saying 18 to 49 did a 0.46, but 1.1 million <laughs> overall. Yeah, well, I can imagine that. Uh, but 1.1 million overall, you know, the P2, and then uh, 0.46 and uh, 18 to 49 compared to the week before, what it did uh, – you know, 1.110,000 with a 0.45. So very similar numbers, but very, uh, very good for, uh, AEW to continue this trend. Yeah. Um, like some of this is sort of a groundswell of, of people knowing, okay, CM Punk and maybe Brian are on their way. Um, but they're just, you know, also in the view of many people who we hear talk about the show, they're putting on a good show that people watch and, and like to watch. And I know it's, uh, it sounds dumb, but if you put on a good show, maybe it encourages people to watch it again. All right. And um, then, uh, I guess we could add to, I think we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording. It's um, the reaction that I get. And obviously this, this is disproportionate. I'm not just being facetious here, being sarcastic, but on the, the reaction that I get on Twitter uh, for some things is disproportionate when it, when it comes to AEW. Obviously you see that bared out here where, you know, e- even though we're talking about these good numbers for AEW, uh, it's half of what what SmackDown is doing still, right? In terms of total viewership, one point one million to nearly two point two million, maybe this week for for SmackDown, right? So it's about double. Uh, SmackDown does about double what what Dynamite does. But when I report the the ratings for what's worth, when I report the ratings for Raw or for SmackDown, including when I reported the ratings for, uh, I was very interested in what the number would be on the first first numbers on the return to touring with with fans in attendance. And you expect, you know, they've, they've been saying for for months and for a year and a half that the problem with the ratings is we just don't have our fans and wrestling is you can't really do wrestling without the fans. And now they finally got the fans back and I reported the ratings. I was very interested and excited. And the, the response in terms of, you know, our readership and listenership was not as strong for those numbers as I maybe expected they would be. But the AW Dynamite number, even here now, you know, we're, we're weeks out from the return to touring and AEW's return to touring was far more gradual than WWE's was. So it wasn't as abrupt of a novelty as it was for WWE. But every time I, I, I report these ratings and I tweet the, the link out and the number out, uh, there's this huge explosion of all degrees of, of reactions, all, all different varieties of emotion happening, quote tweets and so forth. Uh, it's a huge reaction, far bigger than the reaction to the ratings for WWE. Why is that? Um, I have an inkling. What do you think, Gallo? Well, I just, I mean, I, I think the interest in AEW as a brand is just increasing. People are, are tuning in. It's fresh. It's different. Uh, 
And it's it's funny because like the people that would like to hate on AEW whenever they get a rating like this usually say like, oh, it's because they had Shaq or they had Mike Tyson or oh the first episode with fans or oh it's the debut. None of those are factors right now. This is just them putting on a solid dynamite week after week after week. Like there is no is it, giant- wait, 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 Mick. Isn't it possible that Tony Khan could be uh, using his family money to set up televisions around the country? That that you know just increase the ratings artificially, is that a possibility? I heard that. I heard what was the other rumor? The, the other ridiculous thing that that he bought most of the tickets in Chicago or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Or 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 the ratings aren't real numbers or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, Nielsen is a sample, as we'll talk about in a moment when we talk about impact, and that's that that is an issue sometimes. Uh, but when you're talking about bigger audiences, it's not as much of an issue. Um. I, I think what's happening is there's a section of fans. Let's not try to figure out how big they are, or how important they are at, at the moment, but there's a section of fans for whom, uh, we, I, I, you know, I've talked about it before that they want to see economic justice or creative justice. They want to, they want it there, but they're, and they're rooting for the brand AEW. Uh, they want to like wrestling. They haven't liked a lot of the wrestling that, that WWE has put out. They haven't felt, embraced by WWE in a lot of ways and they want to see an alternative brand that's independent from WWE and and, and I think these same sort of people supported NXT in its rise as a brand as well but they want to see a, a separate company independent of WWE that embraces wrestling and embraces the wrestling community embraces wrestling fandom to a greater degree they want to see that brand succeed they're rooting there's there are people who are rooting for the business of AEW besides this 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 stuff that you see on screen the sort of the normative narrative about you know are you are you into john you know uh, adam page and kenny omega are you rooting for you know jungle boy are you interested in seeing uh in cm punk there's a there's a separate interest that is particular just to our content i guess it's not as as significant to everything else but that there's people well i think it is it is significant in some ways to the brand to the to the to promotion of the brand, organic promotion of the brand among fans to other potential fans, right? And that people want to see this company succeed. Not that there aren't people. Oh, yeah. as soon as I say that, I can feel I can feel the, the the Twitter mentions, right? There are people who want to see WWE succeed. Believe me, there are. All right, I know, I know. Okay, I know. I I don't know. I just think in today's world there is a lot. Of, you know, we talk about the key demo. But we got to break down the wrestling fan base demos in that too, right? There's people that want nostalgia. There's people that want the more hardcore death match. There's people that want the lucha stylist and that. And I, and I think, and you know, AEW to the greatest extent, NXT did a good job uh, for a while, but AEW to the greatest extent tries to hit all those niches, niches in a two-hour program. Um, and, and I mean, just I'll just put it this way. Huberto Guerrero was presented last Wednesday the way I wanted him to be presented and not on a lawnmower in a jumpsuit. Like, <laughs> like, like, not that we did that recently, but but your no, point but, remains. Not, not that they wouldn't do it recently. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my point is, is that they just they hit a lot of niches and they and, and you know, I've been raving this week, uh, you know, Obviously, we, we both tuned into you know Dynamite, you know, to, to see Garcia. But I, I'm, I, I, I think Matt Lee from 2.0 is one of the most underrated talkers in the business. The guy just oozes charisma, and here's a guy that they they just 
they let go. He he took anything they gave him in NXT, the coffee mugs and the building the house, and and I thought made it great. And then here's they they give him a platform like as soon as they can in AEW, and you you can see it. You know, I don't know. But then there's two other things too. Here is is you know the extent to which NXT did serve as an alternative to main roster for fans who were not that happy with main roster. It served as an alternative. It sounds like the future of NXT from this point forward will be less so that if, uh, if the, if the talent recruitment and the, and the talent elevation is going to be different. Um, and secondly, that's in terms of what they're serving fans. So maybe that it at least doesn't infringe that much on what dynamite is doing or what AEW is doing. And, and secondly, in terms of talent recruitment in general, I haven't understood for a while other than money why, if you're a young wrestler with ambition and talent, why why would you sign with WWE and not pursue uh, growing your career in other ways? At least before going there and, and making you know making them want you because they they can't have you and they and they want to keep you away from somebody else. Uh, I don't get um, it. Sh- Sh- Sugar Duncanson actually put a tweet out last night. He listed the seven wrestling companies that are have TV, and but he included NWA in that. You know, so WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. Impact, NWMLW, and WWE's the only one that doesn't allow wrestlers to work independence. <laughs> like, and he's like, that just shows you there. Like, you know, they want people to get different. All these other companies want people to get different experience, go out there. I'm sure some of it's financial too. Some of these companies know they can't give guys contracts to be exclusive, but. I just, I think it's the my way or the highway method of WB, and you're really seeing this with these NXT cuts and this rebranding. Yeah, I guess, I mean, like, if, if you're a young wrestler who's got a lot of talent and you believe, I think there are a lot of wrestlers, yes, we, we hear this all the time, right? Like, it's my childhood dream to main event WrestleMania and work for WB, and this this seems to be a factor, too. But that WB that you that you grew up watching is is different. It's different than the, than the W that I grew up watching, and... I think there's a lot of wrestlers who believe in themselves naturally. A lot of wrestlers who end up doing well and being ambitious have a strong belief in their own talents and abilities, right? Uh, but um, I think a lot of them think that, well, they'll be, maybe if they're aware of of the problems that WWE has, in our view, or my view anyway, I don't want to project onto you, Cole, and, and undermine your ability to uh, to win the TikTok contest. But um, uh, I deleted my video. I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like the way it came off. I deleted it. I'm probably on a list. I like to say I'm on a list. Yeah. yeah I enjoy a lot of WWE programming. I watch a lot. I, 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 there's a lot of people I like that work there. Yeah, I'm, I, I know I'm a, I sometimes come off anti-WWE. I don't mean that. I just come off of what I like to see as a product. What's fresh to me, you know? But, but anyway, so. if you're a young wrestler with ambition, I think, he, I think there's a tendency for some wrestlers to believe that, well, I'll be the exception, even though I know the other people have problems and didn't get pushed right, didn't get handled right, didn't get, you know, didn't get the right opportunity. But I'll be different. Vince will get me. I think Vince is not going to get you. You're not going to be the one that, that's, that's going to finally help Vince see the light. You're not going to be the one that he figures out. He, but he sees you differently than all the others. Vince isn't going to get you. Unless you're mm-hmm. a bodybuilder and you're related to somebody who he employed in the past, he's probably not going to get you. And, uh, and if you want to work for W eventually, I think you'd, you'd be better off. Even if you do want to work for W eventually, you'd be better off, uh, growing your name and your abilities 
and your brand outside of WWE and making them pursue you to a stronger degree later. Uh, Uh, so yeah, so actually you have, uh, kind of go back to dynamite. You do have yeah. a, uh, the one on a huge tangent there. Hours. <laughs> yes. It's been a very NXT centric episode. Well, t- t- talk about it. T- tell me what the impact rating was real quick. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll do the impact rating real quick here. Um, uh, 103,000.04 in 1849, um, slightly down, very slightly down from the week before 110,000.02, uh, in so the, uh, there are three impact ratings on Axis that are lower than this. One is the July 1st program error episode. The other two are the nights in 2020, in September of 2020, when NXT was preempted and, and aired on Tuesday. When NXT was, or when Impact was still on Tuesday. So this is, you know, sort of the third, this is sort of the lowest rating ever in terms of a genuine rating. I think there's, a, there's maybe it's tied. Um, but we're getting into, you know, lowest ratings ever here territory uh without without extenuating circumstances uh the the, the 1849 is all over the place here uh it's like it's up 176% from last week uh the median age is all over the place the median age was 60 last week it's now like 48 again this week i think it's you know, nielsen uses a sample to determine these results right and the the smaller your actual audience is the smaller the sample is to determine these results. So therefore, the more volatile these, these numbers tend to be when we're talking about smaller audiences. Uh, we're talking about 100,000 viewers here uh, as opposed to Dynamite's doing over a million, 10 times that as opposed to Ron Smackdown there that are doing nearly 20 times that. So, so take these numbers saying, for, Brandon, for what they're worth. Is Jay White's not a draw? Kenny Omega's not a draw. <laughs> Jay White's not a draw. I, I don't know. Whatever you want. Yeah. Quote tweet me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we go to the uh, quarter uh, hour breakdowns here, and uh, yeah. um, I mean the the, the the biggest quarter hour was uh was the one point two six, which did which was the conclusion of Jericho and Hoovy, where Wardlow attacked Jericho, and then JF cut the promo, and then you had the Penta Phoenix Andrade promo, uh, and then. Yeah. Uh, that's it's the pre six man tag intro. Yeah. I, I don't have a lot to say about this. There was another DirecTV error uh, at about eight forty nine p.m. Eastern time during the the Blade and the Christian match. Um, that happened for about ninety seconds or something like that. Uh, but it was actually so that was that was Q four. Uh, it didn't have a, a massive effect on that quarter like like it did last week when when DirecTV feed went out. Um, Main event grew grew viewership after the sort of the, the middle two thirds of the show slightly decreased over time. So people were apparently interested in seeing the Cody Cody and Malachi Black uh, match. So yeah, they their peak was just over one point two million. All right, and uh, you have a nice little chart here of the uh, the uh, top. Uh, impact uh i'm sorry not impact top AEW ratings here yeah i guess we should have mentioned this uh, a moment ago when we were talking about AEW. that so this where does this most recent episode land in terms of top most highly viewed episodes uh this is the number six the sixth like. biggest audience ever for AEW, uh and in terms of total audience but in terms of 18 to 49 this is the mm. third the third 
the third biggest, almost tied for second. Uh, it's October 9th? Fourth, fourth biggest. Really? Yes, because you have uh, um, October 2nd, and then uh, it's uh, October 9th, and then – oh, and July 28th. Oh, no, never mind. That's less. Never mind. I did the math wrong. Yeah, you're right. Okay. You're right. How did I doubt you? You're the math guy. <laughs> I make mistakes a lot. It is the third biggest 1849 audience uh, ever. Um, I guess we should talk about this. I didn't even think to put this on the lineup because we're over an hour here, so we got to get done soon. But um, Rampage debuts this week. Yes. <sighs> Predictions. Uh, I think I think Steady State, uh, all things equal. That By that, I mean no CM Punk or, or Daniel Bryan. Uh 500,000, 250, but, but debut will be different. Debut will have a novelty factor of, let's say, of, let's say 20% or so. So if I bring out the calculator, which now everybody, let's not do that. I'm saying like 600,000. I think that's, let's just multiply this by 1.2. 600,000. There you go. I agree. Um, yeah, what do you think for uh let's let's we we can revise this next week. But episode two at the United Center. Uh if there's no official announcement made that he's there, just for the curiosity to surprise. Uh but Friday night, ten o'clock, I'd say seven fifty. Seven fifty, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's not bad. It's not bad for an over under. Six hundred this week, seven fifty next week. Um yeah. if you if you want to 18 to 49, because that's the only thing that matters. Uh, just just slice it in half, I would say, roughly 300. Uh, and what would half of 350 be? Or 750, that's uh, 325, right? Yeah. No, no, it's 370. What, what is 750 divided by 2? Oh, um, 375. 375. It's 375. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, live event attendance. Just blow through this. Um, okay. Raw in Chicago did well, over 12,000 distributed. Uh, SmackDown in Tampa on Friday night, nearly 9,000 distributed. Uh, There's a house show on Saturday night, uh, over 506 or over 505,600 5, distributed. Uh, SmackDown was back at Daly's place this past Wednesday, 2,500, which I heard someone say was the biggest audience ever. Uh, at at Daly's place, obviously that's well below what they've been doing on, on tour. Uh, Charlotte was was their biggest dynamite yet since the return to touring uh, the week prior at uh, nearly seven thousand distributed. Um, that's events that have happened in the past. Upcoming events, we have uh, Pittsburgh with uh, both Dynamite and Rampage this week, right? So expect a lot of Britt Baker here. Uh, they're currently. Uh, configured for just over 5,000 both nights, uh, and they're a few hundred under 5,000 for each night. Uh, there's a house show in Gainesville tonight, which might might be looking like having the smallest W audience yet. Uh, looks like they're configured for under 3,000 at the moment. Uh, 2,200 are out at the moment for Gainesville, Florida. Um, but Raw in Orlando, well over 7,000. They'll probably end up around 8,000 or just over for Raw in Orlando. And then Tulsa. I feel like I'm doing the uh, 
the road report on, on like some weekend show right now. Uh, and then in mm-hmm. Tulsa, WWE SmackDown comes to Tulsa, Oklahoma, 5,263 currently out 757 still available. And, uh, yeah. And obviously the United center sold out this week as, uh, we probably al- al- alluded to was likely last week. Uh, 13,656 appear to be out for that show, uh, which, which puts it in the company of, of the few shows that, uh, have over 10,000 tickets, uh, out that are upcoming. And we actually have, if this is, I mean, we'll, we'll, it will probably not end up this way when, when, when all is said and done, but we, as far as events upcoming in in the future that currently have 10,000 or more tickets distributed, there are one, two, three, four, five of those shows, and one, two, three of them are AEW. Two of them are WWE. Of course, SummerSlam is by far the leader. Uh, over forty-four thousand tickets are out for Las Vegas uh, SummerSlam, but AEW's got Chicago. Over thirteen thousand has got Newark, New Jersey. Over ten thousand WWE London, which will be a Raw in September, September twentieth, has over fourteen thousand, and Dynamite in Queens at Arthur Ashe Stadium. In Flushing, someone explained to me what the difference is or what the uh, the taxonomy is between Flushing and Queens. But anyway, Arthur Ashe Stadium, over 17,000 out, which is the, the second uh, biggest attendance at this point uh, next to SummerSlam. <sighs> India. All right. Yeah, India. Euro, Eurosport uh, India, to be exact, uh, signed a deal with AEW. Uh, they acquired the uh, broadcasting rights to AEW, uh, and it's going to be a weekly wrestling app program in India. Um, and it looks like it'll begin on August 15th from Dynamite. So AEW finally has TV, well. finally has TV in India, according to AEW Senior Vice President of Business Strategy. Chris Harrington, he said that people were asking uh, on social media all the time, asking Tony Schiavone or something about when they're going to have TV in India. Well, apparently starting uh, two weeks from now, they will have TV in India. Uh, second biggest market for WWE in terms of TV. Who knows what they're getting here for for Eurosport? Who owns Eurosport? Chris Gullo, do you know? Uh that that I don't. Um, it's not Fox, right? Google it. Who owns uh. Eurosport? AEW's new home in India. So no longer will you only be able to watch AEW in India on Fight TV. You will actually be able to watch it. On a traditional television network, Eurosport. Discovery. Discovery. Who's merging with yeah. Discovery soon? Uh, that was, was it Warner Brothers, right? Warner Media. Warner Media, War- yes. Warner yeah, Media. What, what would happen to both streaming services? Yes. Uh, so, AEW, do you know, do you know what uh, AEW's other TV partners are around the world? They've got in, in, in uh, certain regions in Europe. There's, go ahead. What do, you, what do you think? There? I know. I okay. I I know the the England ones. Oh, God. ITV in England. ITV in the UK. Yeah, ITV. Okay, that's not just ITV. England. I don't want people adding us again. Oh, so, <laughs> ITV in the UK. It was a sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm honestly like, I don't remember all of them, but uh, so there's TNT Siri. I think in Germany, it might be a. a a similar sort of TNT uh, international offshoot in some other regions. Space in Latin America. Who owns space? Do you know who owns space? I would assume Warner Media, but Warner Media owns space. So, I think with the exception of the UK, 
all of AEW's TV partners on, on linear TV are owned by either Warner Media or now by Discovery. And it's not as if, if we draw the W comparison, W has partners with all different sorts of uh, parent companies uh, you know, or subsidiaries of parent companies around the world. Um, but this is, this is conspicuous how, how AWTV deals are neatly uh, partnered with, with either their, their major US uh, TV partner or a company that, that, that TV partner is soon to merge with. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and I think it, 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 I think it, it lines up a situation maybe in the years to come where, uh, it might make sense for Warner Media to acquire AEW, but we'll see. Uh, we're, we're not going to spend all this time on Google web search, but, uh, you can see the, the Google Web Search report that I did for the recently ended month of July 2021 on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash That is That is there for our subscribers going through the Google Web Search for all the name talent that I can think of for WWE, AEW, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we study uh, Google Web Search for companies as well, uh, just showing you to what extent WWE's web search volume exceeds that of every other company that you can think of combined. Uh, so WWE has 77% of the, uh, the share, if you will compare that to, uh, AEW, New Japan, Impact, Stardom, Ring of Honor, Dragon Gate, Noah, and some others combine all of them. And they only account for less than a quarter of the search volume, uh, that happened in July. And that's, that's not, an unusual uh, data point there. It's usually something like that. So WWE is still the monster in terms of web search for whatever that's worth. I think that's reflective of, of name ID and of mind share. Uh, so there's that. Um, I did a stream on Thursday of TV ratings. Um, if you watched it, let me know what you thought of it. I might do more of those in the future. No promises. We'll see. Uh, but give me some feedback on that if if you watched it or go check it out and let me know what you think of it. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel for Russellomics uh, so we can uh, do more and grow the uh, the YouTube channel in the future. Uh, we are we are strongly considering our, our streaming options here as as we go forward in the uh, the business of Russellomics. Uh, any plugs, Chris Gullo? Uh, this is standard, uh, Chris Gello, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, rediscovering any of my other podcasts, uh, RTI pod on Twitter, Facebook and, and Instagram. We'll have a new episode later this uh, month about the, uh, NWA title, uh, from the end of the TNA partnership through the Bruce Tharp era to the purchase of Billy Corgan. Uh, and it's not just NWA world title, but it get a lot into NWA business too and stuff like that. And it's a very interesting time when Bruce Tharp owns the nwa brand um but yeah so that and uh as far as far as me uh the rest of my august is is free and free and easy i have a comedy show locally in buffalo on the 13th but other than that nothing until uh until september i have a wrestling show on september 11th and then it doesn't get busy and crazy again until october so wonderful uh we have credits now we have credits i see let's see if i can Facebook do this group share <laughs> Our, our co-host and executive producer is Brandon Thurston. Our co-host, Facebook group sharer, VoicesOfWrestling.com poster is Chris Gullo. 
www.ourwrestlingops.com. Transcriber is Jason Unpursuth. Please tell me if I pronounce your name wrong, Jason. Uh, our technical consultant, give me, a, give me a lot of help this week and, and maybe giving me some help in the future, is Phil Chertok from the post-wrestling family. And the creator, founder, originator of, of this WrestleNomics brand is Chris Harrington. Uh, you can follow us at WrestleNomics. You can follow me at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris Gullo. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.